1989, After Humanity, written and narrated by Paul Inman. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at Paul Inman SC. Chapter 2. Welcome to Sin City. The plane wobbled unexpectedly as it made its descent, speeding toward the runway of McCarran International Airport. The sudden motion made Danny's stomach flip. She squeezed her eyes shut and gripped the seatbelt strap, pulling it tighter around her small waist. A gentle but calloused hand made its way into hers from her immediate right. Danny turned her head and peeked at the man sitting beside her. He was quite a bit older than her, ruggedly handsome, and the man she'd been seeing for more than a year. Thanks, she smiled leaning in to give him a kiss on the corner of his mouth. Can't wait to be back on the ground. No worries, babe. He squeezed her hand slightly. We'll get through this together. Besides, we should be on the ground any minute. Danny pumped his hand in return, sighing as she closed her eyes again. She felt the landing gear open underneath her feet, a necessary evil if you want to walk away from a landing. She held his hand until the plane bumped onto the smooth runway, touching down, and kept holding it as they taxied to the gate. The pilot switched off the seatbelt sign and uttered his final line of script. Welcome to sunny Las Vegas. Local time is 5.23 p.m. Enjoy your stay and thanks for flying with us today. The couple deplaned and spilled into the waiting zone. There, they found all the cliched trappings of Las Vegas in the form of video slot machines mere feet from the gate entrance. Danny laughed at the sight of the machines. Ooh, look, she exclaimed. Let's play for luck, please, James. Whoa, he pulled her back as she started toward the small row of games. Keep it down. Luck is a four-letter word around here. Danny wrinkled the olive skin of her nose. Isn't luck a four-letter word everywhere? She snickered at her own sardonic response. James rolled his eyes. Now that you mention it, I think I do have a dollar here somewhere. James began to search his pockets, starting with his sport coat. He dug into the breast pocket, pulled out a folded envelope. Whoops, that's not it, he said, and shoved the paper quickly back into the darkness. What is that? Danny asked. Nothing. Don't worry about it. You know you can't just say, don't worry about it, and then I suddenly forget. It's nothing, Danny, James started. Just a little company business, that's all. He continued the search for the dollar bill. Work? I thought this was a vacation. Danny's playfulness melted away. You're going to ruin my first time in Vegas with work? No, sweetie, this is nothing. Really, trust me. Besides, why should we have to foot the bill when we can do a little easy job and get them to foot the bill for us? Ah, here it is. He fished the bill out of the front pocket of his jeans, one that he'd already checked twice, and held it out for Danny. Now here's the deal, James began. We play this in one dollar machine, all or nothing, and it's going to set up the mood for the trip. We win, we lose. It all comes down to this. Danny snuggled up to the man but played coy. I thought you didn't believe in luck, Mr. Hensley. Shh, four letters. She laughed and snatched the bill out of his hand. Danny walked over to the small row of games. James followed. Even though he was almost two decades older than Daniela, Danny Flores, they seemed to connect in a way that was unlike most other couples. He smiled 
and watched her long dark hair sway in time with the movements of her hips. Danny randomly chose a game she identified with, some nostalgic itch perhaps, and fed the dollar into the machine. She placed her all-in bet and pulled the lever, sending the digital reel spinning. Danny pulled James in close as the screen flashed. Here we go. Danny was beaming with excitement. James couldn't help but smile back. Danny felt the anticipation growing inside her midsection as the icons whizzed by in a blur, spinning round and round for what felt like an eternity. This particular machine was fairly standard. There were five different columns of icons, each with pictures of lemons, cherries, oranges, diamonds, and the number seven. Winning big was simple. Just line up all of the sevens in the center row. According to the info on the marquee, one could win up to $2,000 in one spin, not to mention the multipliers, if applicable. Danny crossed her fingers and held them up. Come on, baby, big money, no whammies. The icons began to slow and she held her breath. James leaned in close as the first of the five stopped on the big red seven. The next three stopped shortly after. Seven. 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 Danny grabbed James by the arm and held her breath. The last digital reel spun, then stopped abruptly on the lemon icon. Ouch, tough break, kid. James patted her hand. Well, back on the plane. What? Danny said, exasperated. Why? We can't start our week with that sort of luck. James? Danny was clearly frustrated. Everything is random, she blurted out. James Hensley laughed at his girlfriend, pulled her close, and wrapped his arms around her waist. So, correct me if I'm wrong. But what you're saying is, you don't want to leave as quickly as you can? You're telling me that you can bear to stay here with me? With this black cloud hanging over our heads? Stop. Are you flirting with me? You know I'm old and I can never tell with you millennials. Danny gasped, feigning disbelief. How dare you, sir? I'll have you know, I am a zenial, on the cusp, analog as a kid and digital as an adult. The pair laughed at the ridiculousness of the situation. James leaned in, planted a kiss on Danny's lips, and said, The daylight is fleeting, my lady. Let's get a lift and check out the hotel. They walked away from the boarding area hand in hand. Within half an hour, James and Danny were standing inside of the Paris Las Vegas Hotel and Casino. Chapter 3 1989 I think I'm going to try to work out this monitor issue. Drake said as he grabbed his bag of tools. Good idea. It'll give us a little more content for our next live stream. In the meantime, I'm going to try to find out just what this game is all about, and maybe where the hell it came from. Aubrey sat down at the computer, opened a new browser tab with her favorite search engine, and typed 1989 into the search box. She immediately mentally kicked herself for being so daft as she watched several websites, pictures, and even videos of Taylor Swift's album of the same name fill her screen. Aubrey quickly went back to the search box and this time typed 1989 arcade game, hoping for better results. It took 0.0123 seconds for the page to fill once again, and glancing at the number, she had a fleeting memory of what life was like before, during the dark ages of dial-up. This time, only about three-quarters of the page was about the ubiquitous pop album, but after a cursory glance, she realized that this search, too, was a bust. 
Drake pulled a stool from underneath his workbench and dropped it behind his new pet project. He was the type of person who loved to tinker. He realized his passion for the inner workings of things when he was about nine years old. The first thing that he'd ever broken open happened to be his electric pencil sharpener. His very expensive electric pencil sharpener. Drake's dad wasn't too happy about that one. And although his dad made him save up to replace the sharpener, he had solidified his love of exploring the secrets within. Drake managed to remove the back access panel and was fiddling with the monitor wiring harness when Aubrey drew his attention. Can you find the manufacturer? She asked. I can't find this game anywhere on our usual sites or random searches. It's like it doesn't exist, but that's insane. I'm looking right at it. Plus, I tried searching for the game with all the major companies out there, and it doesn't seem to belong to any of them. Yeah, uh... He looked around the machine to the side art, which he hadn't noticed until now. A lot of manufacturers put their names right on the side of the machine along with the game's side art, but not 1989. The art was minimalist, containing what appeared to be the hands of a clock over a starlit sky or a distant galaxy. The title of the game was there, too, but no manufacturer. He checked the opposite side. Nothing. As he looked, Aubrey continued to speak. I checked Twitter, too. No one guessed the game. No surprise there. But it also seems like no one has ever heard of it. Some people even think it's a prototype or something. You know? Like one of a kind. Makes sense. He absently responded. His brain was trying to work out the manufacturing conundrum, which meant that he was only half listening. Cabinets usually had the manufacturer's tag with the model number and serial number riveted to the outside of the machine, but that didn't seem to be the case with 1989. He stuck his hand into the hole that was now open in the back of the cabinet and felt around for a tag. He was about to give up when the tip of his finger felt metal. Drake reached down, scooped up a small pen light from his tool bag, and lit up the guts of the damaged machine. The manufacturer's tag was in rough shape, scratched and dented, but he could make out the name of the company. Hmm. What does that mean? Did you find the name? Aubrey inquired. Yeah, I found it. The hmm means I'm taken aback. He re-examined the metal tag inside the machine. Would you care to share, or should I just make a guess? Maybe we can make it a game of 20 questions if that suits you, Mr. Taken Aback. I didn't know you could make jokes, he said with a dryness that rivaled the surface of the moon. She sucked her teeth at his remark and gave a roll of her eyes to go along with it. Can I have the name now or what? Exasperation was digging in its talons. Sure, according to this tag, the game was manufactured by Blot Inc. Games. Drake over-enunciated the last three words. What? Are you sure? I didn't know Blot Inc. ever made arcade games. Now you can see why I'm taken aback, he said. Ew, stop that. Can't you just say surprise like everyone else, you freak? This time he smiled and she didn't see. Drake went back to inspecting the innards of the cabinet. This was a simple enough procedure. He just needed to go through his mental checklist and narrow down the number of possibilities. He plugged the game back into the extension cord. The main power was definitely working. Otherwise, they wouldn't have heard the music or the whirring of a fan earlier. Flipping the switch back to on, he started with the first obvious scenario. The monitor wasn't getting power, so naturally, he checked the power supply. Drake reached into his tool bag, shuffled some various tools, and produced a small electricity meter. He placed the pins at the correct contact points 
and the meter read good, but there was no characteristic neck glow at the back of the tube signifying power. Hmm. He grunted as he rubbed his hand across his mouth. He reached in and checked the RGB chassis. It was a tight connection, and the wire seemed to be in good shape. Next, his eyes scanned the board looking for any fuses. Sometimes they were in strange spots and could be hard to find. Luckily, this wasn't the case for 1989. Drake shut down the game, unplugged, and discharged the monitor. Then, he pulled the little fuse out of the machine and immediately noticed it was blown. He walked over to his workbench and dug through a few bins until he found another fuse that was the right amperage. He popped it in with ease and plugged the system back into the extension cord. As he did, Aubrey walked over. How's it coming? She asked. I think it was just a blown fuse. We'll see if it blows again. It could be the diodes or the flyback. Aubrey raised her hands to her shoulders. Never mind, you lost me at fuse. Anyway, he continued. I was just about to flip the power switch, so good timing. Did you find anything? Is it a prototype? I've only found one entry. She held up a printout from the website. And it's less than reputable, but it's all we've got. It's not even five paragraphs, but it says that the arcade game 1989 was manufactured in 1982 by Blot Inc. Games. Apparently, it was the one and only arcade that they ever made. Hold on, Drake interrupted. It was made in 82, but called 1989? I'm getting to that. Let me finish. The gameplay and this is kind of cool, is about time travel or future stuff or something like that. It wasn't really clear because this guy was getting his information from a third party. Interesting, right? So it goes on to say that it wasn't a big seller, likely due to the fact that it was more involved than most arcade games of the day. How? Don't know. Well, let's see if we can find out. Drake bent and flipped the power switch. He waited a few seconds to see if the fuse would pop again. The fans began moving, and he could see the monitor's neck beginning to glow. The fuse seemed like it was going to be okay. The pair walked around the front of the cabinet to find the monitor was working, and showing the title screen. The words, Insert Coins, were flashing underneath of the stylized 1989. What are the odds it's on free play? Aubrey asked. Drake reached up to the single-player control panel. It had one off-center joystick, with a pair of unlabeled buttons to the right, and a start button on the far left. He pressed the start button and waited. The screen went black and the music stopped. Did the fuse blow? Aubrey began, but was interrupted by a voice and a single point of light centered on the screen. Long ago, the human race was dominated by unrest. A decidedly female voice came from the great covered speakers. As the pinpoint of light grew in the monitor, she continued. War, deceit, hubris, jealousy. Hatred. Indulgence. All of these things contributed to your downfall. Music began to play underneath the voice, and the light began to take shape. What is it? Drake asked. Shh. Your time ended prematurely, the voice went on. You are still needed in the universe. The light began to fade, revealing a silhouette that was familiar but foreign to both Drake and Aubrey. There were limbs pulled in tight on a torso and an ovular head. It's a fetus or a baby, Drake whispered. Aubrey cut her eyes briefly in his direction and then back to the screen. My name is Pandora, and there is hope for humanity. I am here to right the wrongs, but I can't do it alone. The childlike being on the screen continued to change into the form of a humanoid adult floating in the cosmos. I've come from the year 1989 A.H., 
and I'll need your help to change the events of the past and future to ensure the survival of the human race. Join me in saving mankind. A.H.? Drake asked. Aubrey shrugged. After humanity? The screen abruptly changed, showing the words, Rewrite History, across the top, along with a series of random years forming two rows down the center area of the monitor. A flashing cursor hovered next to the first of these years, 1347. Well, Aubrey sighed, that was one of the strangest intros I've ever seen. Drake stared at her for a second and then looked back toward the screen. I want to try it out, she continued and stepped up to the control panel. Aubrey grabbed the joystick and scrolled up and down the years on the screen. When she reached the bottom of the second row, she found that the years continued on another page. She stopped scrolling and stood still. Why'd you stop? Drake asked. Look, she nodded toward the screen, where it showed 1773, 1989, and 2146, all in a row. The cursor blinked next to 1989. Should I try the namesake first? She asked Drake. He nodded. Sure. She pressed the start button, and the screen changed again. This time, it showed what could be called the level title screen. The large script read, Berlin, Germany, 1989. Tear it down. They glanced at each other, their attention being drawn back to the screen by a cutscene featuring Pandora. She stood on a street in front of a large, long wall. For too long, these people have been caged for wanting nothing more than the freedom they deserve. Help me bring down this wall and unite families in the name of hope. The screen blacked out briefly and returned, showing a pixelated version of the street and wall. Pandora was there, too, as the playable character. What do I do? Aubrey asked Drake. Eerily, it was Pandora who answered. Help me climb the wall and tear it down. Oh, I see, Drake said. It's like that one, um, he snapped his fingers, hoping to jog his memory. You know, the one where you climb the building and smash it till it collapses? Rampage? Yeah. I blanked out there, geez. Aubrey smiled as she maneuvered Pandora to the graffiti-covered wall and climbed to the top. She began pressing the buttons on the right side of the joystick to see what would happen. The first button punched, while the second button jumped, which sprang her off the wall. She used the joystick to climb again and began punching at the structure until a piece collapsed. A few people, who looked like soldiers or police, came up and started to climb the wall. They grabbed and yanked Pandora to the ground. Aubrey used the punch and jump buttons to escape the people trying to stop her from destroying the wall. Then she repeated the process until all the sections of the wall were gone, effectively beating the level. That was pretty cool. I didn't think it was too involved, she said. Which year do you want to try now? It's getting kind of late, Aubrey. The store's been closed for more than an hour. He looked up at the clock to confirm. I think I'm going to clean up a bit and call it a night. Suit yourself. I'm going to game for a bit. Drake went to the back of the machine and gathered his tools, leaving the back panel open just in case something needed more work. He placed the bag onto the workbench, picked up his cell phone, and grabbed his keys off the countertop. I'll see you in the morning, Obbs. Bye, was her only response, distraction clearly getting the better of her. He rolled his eyes, walked out of the workroom onto the main floor of too many controllers, and out of the front door, locking up behind him. Aubrey scrolled through the menu looking for another level to play. She passed by many years that were centuries old and wondered what the events were that inspired the designers to put them in the game. She noticed that 1989 was now a different color than all the rest of the years, and it had a new subheading. This year. Ha! 
What the? Aubrey smirked as she saw the year. She navigated the joystick to the new unlocked level and moved to press the button when Pandora spoke suddenly, startling Aubrey. She flinched at the unexpected sound. Exploring this new level may prove to be more challenging than you are ready to handle. Perhaps you should try another level. For a split second, Aubrey felt as if Pandora were talking directly to her. Pandora, she said sardonically to the arcade game and the empty room. I think I know what the hell I'm doing. I am a professional after all. She reached up and pressed the start button. The display flipped to the level title screen. Las Vegas, Nevada, 2021. Fou dans le ciel. Aubrey's breath caught in her throat. Las Vegas, she whispered, intrigued by the surrealness. You've been listening to 1989, After Humanity, written and narrated by Paul Inman. Follow Aubrey and Drake on Twitter at TMC Restores, and follow me at Paul Inman SC. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and anywhere podcasts are available. It really helps. Email 1989afterhumanity at gmail.com with any feedback.